Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There is an argument to say, there is an argument to say it is the very wrong because that sort of changed lots of things forever. I've never driven anything that's so far wide of the mark from what it's turned out to be. I, you know, I was told this thing was supposed to be the electric S-Class. The most beautiful thing I have ever, I, I wouldn't even sit in it. Hello. And welcome to the Collecting Alex podcast, episode number 35. First, some housekeeping. We all want to apologise for being absent for the last few weeks, but we needed a summer break in the way the F1 drivers do. We are highly tuned pieces of technical equipment. We've been running flat out for 34 episodes. 34 hours of us talking utter bobbins had taken its toll on our larynxes and our adult brains. But we're back. We're stronger. We're better. We are... We're McLaren. We've come back stronger after the off-season. That's who we are. That's the analogy. And we're going to begin with an issue that my learned friend Neil Clifford raised on our little WhatsApp group a while ago. Top Gear magazine has just decided to vote the following car as the best vehicle of the last 30 years, the BMW i8. I replied on the group that I thought that was utter bobbins. And what shite were they writing? And he said, you're in the magazine. You've got a column in it. And I thought, that's a bit embarrassing. So I'm here now having a go at my Top Gear magazine colleagues because they've got this completely and utterly bloody wrong. Edward Lovett, what is your best car of the last 30 years? I've had a BMW i8. I quite liked it. It's quite nice. Yes, yeah, quite nice. It is. It was quite a nice ownership experience. Luckily, I found I was very fortunate. I found a Mexican billionaire uh, to buy it off me just before it plummeted in value. Um. Oh, what? I didn't know you were going to start with me, and you also threw this in right as we did the uh, the start there. What's the best car? Did of the you last need more off, more time off, Edward? I tell you what. My- let's let's move it across to Chris Cooper while you have a think. Yeah. Okay. Edward, I'm putting you on pause. Chris Cooper, what's the best car of the last 30 I'm years? I'm glad you asked me that. Yeah. Glad you asked me that. 
Um, you know, do you know he's never done that the entire 34 episodes? Gone. Uh, shall we remove, por- shall we remove Porsche from the topic? On. It yeah. can't be a Porsche. I've got no Porsche on my list. I've got a list, OBS. Um, there is an argument to say, there is an argument to say it is the Veyron because <laughs> that sort of changed lots of things forever. Um, but I don't think it's the Veyron because, you know, it's not that great. And, you know, it was... Um, it was a big rocket thing, and that's about it. Put your hands up if you've driven a Veyron in this group. Have you picked the Veyron? Oh, tell you what, I suddenly feel a lot better about myself. Carry on, Chris Cooper. Have you picked the Veyron? <laughs> Sorry? Have you picked the Veyron? No, I've merely made my point. Carry on, Chris Cooper. You haven't picked the Veyron. Okay. <laughs> As you were. Um, I think there's an argument. Golf Mark 7. Ooh. Golf Mark 7. Amazing car. Mm-hmm. Does just from the 1.4 petrol, which is just a does everything car, to the Mark 7.5 performance pack GTI. That's a bloody good car. E39. I mean, they had this in the list. I oh, mean, here we go. It's not. List. It's not one car. So yeah, it's a, we um, were going to roast you if you chose the Mark 7. We weren't. We were. If you choose to build make a magazine, we're not going to read it. It'll be as bad as Top Gear by the sounds of it. So, Oi, it's a very good magazine with some fucking good columnists. So, have you know, yeah, only some <laughs> bad judges we go from Bobbins to fucking. It's taken us what three minutes. So, I think there's an argument. Sorry. I, I think there's an argument. I mean, it depends what you mean by the best. I think there's an argument to say the car, the single car, not a range of cars, the single car that's been present all throughout the last 30 years. And has done more than many, more than most, maybe more than all, to say sharing with the world the joys of open top motoring, sports car motoring, small, reasonably affordable, MX5. Yeah, it's good. MX5. Chris loves an MX5. The whole time. If you had to pick a single car, you said, which car of the last 30 years, if you could only have one, it'd be a 458 special or something like that. Special. Right, so we've gone, we've had five or six there. <laughs> I've had four weeks off not cheating. Come on, give me a break. If we circle back and choose the I-8 tonight, that's going to be really embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> right, Edward, you've had time to think. Now's your go. Go on. I'm going to do uh, McLaren F1. Come on. I, I'm, I'm, it's it's got... not 30 years. It's more than 30 years. No, that's bollocks. 1992. Yes. No, 1992 not. to 1998. That was my car. Yes. How dare you? Yeah. It's not 30 years, though, is it? No. I, I, it's I think, 31 you know... years. 31 years. I didn't cheat but, that badly. But, but that but that magazine feature deliberately went for 30 years to not, to not allow them the McLaren F1, I think. But the last yeah. one, yeah. the last one was built in 1998. They built 107. Who, who here's driven a McLaren F1? Yes. <laughs> very, very briefly. Now look here. Okay, you can have the McLaren F1 then. You can have the McLaren. Now F1. clearly, Chris, Chris went for the more humble approach of the Golf and the MX5, which you know I admire him for doing. But you know, you know, clearly someone has got to be sensible. Now the McLaren F1, it has three seats, so I think that's very practical. That's and very act- practical. and Family. actually, it's got it's got very good storage solutions in the side pods. So. I think it's quite a practical choice. And for you know, value for money, if you bought it back in the day, you'd have had a nice return on your investment. You wouldn't need to worry too much about insurance costs or servicing. I think it would I think that was a very good choice 30 years ago. But you'd have crashed it, Ed. You yeah. would. 
Didn't have I'd, I'd, have pro- I'd have probably part exchanged it or done a straight swap for a BMW i8. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the level of sarcasm here. Manish, bring us back, please. But, I mean, I was going to say the McLaren F1. Okay, it's we've got two times the McLaren F1. So such. you can have that. It's a beautiful, a, just a slight anecdote. I had somebody that I know um, who used to deal in such things at one point had seven in his uh, warehousey space. And I saw all seven of them there, all in one go, wow. which is cornering the market, if you think about it. This was 15 years ago. And the most beautiful one of the lot for me was George Harrison's. I think it was just parked there. He didn't own oh, it. It's wonderful, that car. It's aubergine. And it's got this very, I thought it was black leather, but it was actually black Alcantara because he was a vegetarian Hindu. So he didn't eat beef and he wasn't into meat. I mean, it was just the most beautiful thing I have ever, I I wouldn't even sit in it. I just looked at it and breathed on it. And that is the most beautiful car of the last 31 years. Okay. So we've gone there. Uh, Neil Clifford, I hope you've, I hope you, I hope you've thought about this more than the others. Um, Well, it sounds like I'm the only person that's actually read the article. <laughs> that might be true. We only you sent us a photo of it. We, uh, we, we read we the question. No, no, I, I, think, I think the point is, and I'd like to just talk about this for one minute, it's such a shit piece of writing because you can, <laughs> obvi- you can obviously tell they started with what answer they wanted to have and then they reverse their way through the whole piece. And yeah. it's really bloody obviously quite annoying because it's clearly a stupid thing to say. And I think there was a vote amongst eight or ten of the people on the magazine. I, I, I know that you weren't on that boat, Chris. I know your piece was in there about, I don't know, what American car you should buy with a big engine. But you'd it was clear that they just wanted to vote for an electric or a hybrid car because actually when you buy that magazine now, it's only about electric cars. And it's just really annoying. So please, everyone, go and buy it and then get annoyed by reading the article. Um, <laughs> just what, what, what a stupid suggestion. Tell you what, I've never, ever been part of a product that's giving coruscating criticism about another product I'm a part of. It's quite brilliant. It's a new experience for me. Anyhow, at least I won't be a columnist there much longer. But, but, I'm about to get the red card. Neil Clifford, carry the on. People, the people that have got it right, and everyone should go and buy the 25 years of Evo. Yeah. Which is out in the same month, because Richard Meaden and the gang got it absolutely perfectly right, because it is the 458 Speciale. Yeah, because it is just a magnificent car. And, you know, this debate is not about whether you can afford it or not. It's just what is the best car in the last 30 years. And I think you could easily say Puma or Focus ST or whatever, loads of brilliant cars, but money, no object, a daily forever. That's up one car. Yeah, Yeah, that's up there. So good on Richard Mead and an Evo and shame on you, Top Gear. Fucking hell! This is, now we're plugging. Now I'm plugging rival products. It's absolutely ridiculous. No, but you right. work for them all anyway, Chris. So you can at least say you were. And on. you know, we might not get an Evo fifty or even oh, thirty. Right, oh, here we I, go. I think I think you will. I mean, if you do the list of that the, the cars that were on there, it's E thirty nine, the L three TT, L three double two Range Rover, Focus RS, Audi S two, Audi A two, Lotus Elise S one. 
you know, they had some brilliant cars to choose from on Top Gear, and they chose an i8, which, frankly, unless you're five foot five and a trader in cryptocurrency, why would you own one? <laughs> How can the uh, allegedly that's one? I don't know what I don't know what you've been drinking over the summer break, but I bloody want some milk coverage. You've come back, as they say, full of spunk. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so we've got we've got the Charlie. <laughs> Which is remarkable because it's a car that you, you changes gear itself, which I cannot understand why that would be your only car. Um, we've got McLaren F1. Chris Cooper chose seven, but I can't work out which one he's stuck with. Well, MX5 and special. MX5 and the special as well. It's got two specials, two McLaren F1s. Right. Now, I've gone about this slightly differently um, because I think there was a year in those 30 years when, according to my testing history, there were... Four cars, no, sorry, there were three cars in different categories uh, that I'm not sure have been bettered for their all-round brilliance since then. Ooh. The year was 2000. And I think this might be peak motor car for me in terms of what, what was available technically. Stuff has become faster and, you know, a bit quicker for changing gear. But I'm not sure if you went back to buy a family hatchback, a small hatchback, um, that you'd find a better car than a Mark One Focus 1.6 with the lighter engine in it. That was a sensational motor car. I'm not given a car that's better than that. Yeah. I think if you wanted a saloon car and you had a an E39 530i Sport with a manual gearbox, if you bought the equivalent car now, it wouldn't be any better. And I think if you bought an original 996 Turbo with an X50 power kit on it, yeah, I'm not sure there's much that would go down the road quicker now, or it'd be mm. much more fun to drive. It's got a manual gearbox. So I think you could pick either one of those for me, and they'd be the best car. They could claimed to be the best car of the last 30 years. Most importantly, you change gear yourself. And I think it's shameful, utterly shameful, that two members of this podcast are encouraging people to use the paddle over the knob. Always go for the do, knob. Do we no, look think, like we care, Monkey? Well, it's, I, I've got to pre... I've got to pre I'm, I'm, you know what? After this, we're going to have a chat, you two. I'm really, really embarrassed. I've got all these lovely, lovely videos of Neil priming stuff and advancing stuff and he's got his fingers in nipples and he's greasing and all, all this stuff and then he gives me a fucking self-shifting fear as he's the best car staggering all right nine, 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 997 gt3 rs4 liter there he goes there he goes <laughs> there you go. we can play that goes. game if you get cornered and anyway i showed you that little video of my new purchase with the three speed dogleg gearbox oh yes it's got Can two we... gear levers. Yes, that was that was yeah. Probably was not the probably not the best vehicle of the last thirty years though. No. no. Can no. I also can I just add another one then? As as he did seven and and Neil's done it. So I, I'm gonna have a nine nine three RS Club Sport. That's a brilliant car as well, isn't it? That's big, a good better, car. better small wing or big wing. Well, no, club a club sports has got to have a big wing. Although I, you know, yes, I'd like just a comfort, That's but right. a club sport. You know, our our friend yeah. Tuts says the old chassis, stiffened chassis on the club sport is, uh, that's where you need to be. Yeah. Mm. He crashes a lot these days as well. Oi. Oi. Don't say that. that. I'm out to protect him. You can't help. I love him. He knows that. I was very... He probably probably doesn't have time to listen to the podcast. He can't help shunting the whole time. Right, here we go. Now, Neil Clifford, as ever, I always begin these sentences with Neil Clifford because he's always thinking on the subject of cars so much. He defined a phrase... Uh, in messaging uh, recently that I thought was quite fun and we should play with it. He was describing a vehicle called the Ineos Grenadier. You'll be aware of that. 
this is this uh, born again um, defender thing, which is something that no one else needs, and we don't need to relaunch the defender concept anymore. It's like bringing back the the plague; it, it's in the past. And well, Ricketts. Gone. Yes, exactly. No one needs it. Uh, so the bubonic hmm. uh, grenadier is on the outside quite a big car, but on the inside it offers very little room. So Neil called it a reverse TARDIS. So I thought we'd we'd broaden that phrase out to vehicles that promise so much, but don't deliver on the promise. And in fact, on reflection, they're, they're miles off. They didn't even hit, get anywhere near the target set by their engineers in the first place. So, um, Chris Cooper, which eight are you choosing? Uh, I've got two. Oh. Only a quarter. I'm going to cheat big time later on against two car garage. Hold that thought. Um, I think the Enios Grenadier, I looked at one at the Festival of Speed. I've got quite an in- a liking for that, the longer one they've done, the double cab pickup thing. But it can't carry more than a 1,000 kilos. You can't use it as a commercial vehicle. It's just a, it's a trinket. It's a vanity thing. Um, but under the heading of that kind of reverse TARDIS, the one that I think is just stupendously frustrating it's the, the new, the current Defender 90, which I know we all, most people here really like. But the Defender 90 is a lot of road space, a lot of car. There's nothing, you know, you can't, when you put the rear seats down, they go down about that far. They don't go down that far or follow. They go about that far. And there's a little bit of booty space in the back, huge amount of, you, it's just, you can spend 120 grand. I've been on the configuration this afternoon. Like you can spend 120 grand on a Defender 90 V8. I mean, who would people do? They, they don't do. This, they don't listen to this podcast. And if you do, you're no longer welcome. Sorry. <laughs> just, yeah, just but it more. looks better than the long one. It does look better than that. That's the long an one. interesting question. I thought about it as well. The um the 110 is too short. It's too short. It's got oh. like it's like a bobcat docked tail at the back it's just too short <laughs> the 130 is too long it is looks ridiculous yeah just too long there's a, a goldilocks it's about a 120 is the goldilocks <laughs> one that's what we need i've, I've had both of them i've had the 110 on order and the 130 and i saw them there's a dealership down here in cornwall i go to and i had two of them next to each other i said to the sales look can you line them up so we can see this there's the 110 and there's the 130 and the little bits at the back they're both wrong they all walked out. Nice dashboard. Anyway, but that's not my choice. The worst, <laughs> the vehicle, the vehicle that is just, how did they think that was acceptable? The Mercedes Viano people carrier, luxury people carrier <laughs> thing. Mm. How shit is that? Yeah, hands yeah. up, hands up who's ridden in a Viano luxury people carrier. How bad is the ride and the yeah, bill yeah. quality? It's a Mark 1 Transit. They've just it's, relaunched it. They're doing an even more luxury it's, one. It's it's a van with some windows. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know the you know the Viano's got a beam and a V class has got independent rear suspension, don't you? No. But the, but even the V class isn't much good. It's still it's still choppy at the back. It's got a horrendous ride quality. Yeah. It's got these black extra blacked out blacked out drug dealer glass, so you can't see out of it on a on a dim and usual UK day. You may as well be in a van so yeah. for the the, so ultimate, the viano, the viano mm. luxury people carrier 
But you, this oh. is, you, you talked about ergonomics. Is this not about ergonomics? Is this just whatever? Ergonomics is the next topic. Ergonomics is the next topic. Ergonomics is the next topic, Ed. Yeah. Oh, dearie oh, me. Here I've had a busy right, day. Back. I've had a busy oh, day. So much Edward. money spent on the education and yet so little return. Here we go. I'll, I'll nip in here now, okay? Right, so I've got I've got five, and I'm going to add a whittle of that. No, God, Cooper, don't. You know you can't drink. He's a terrible drinker. Right. We're going to go for, I've got five, I'll whittle them down, I'm going to give you a very clear answer. And I think one of you here will agree with me. One, I've said this before, but I've got a bit of a problem with this vehicle, the 993 Targa. I never understood it. I just don't get it at all. It doesn't look right. The roof mechanism is funny. You've got all the downsides of a of a convertible, so no rigidity, and none of the mm-hmm. upsides of being mm-hmm. a coupe, and it's heavy. And I, I just didn't, I never got it from the start. The other one that got, at the time, which hit me quite hard, was the V70R. The, which was the Ooh, estate car. The hot Volvo. But, but the automatic. So the manual was just, a, it was slightly slow gearbox, but it was a nice car. But they did an automatic at the time. I thought, that's quite a nice idea. But because the automatic gearbox was so shite and weak, they had to limit the torque. So you got in them side by side, and the, the manual just naffed off. So then this lovely concept of the all-weather, all-wheel drive, Volvo estate, police car, stick it in drive and away you go. But it couldn't pull the skin off a rice pudding. So I don't that, that wound me up. There was the I don't I don't remember which one this was. Neil will be able to help me. There was an Arnage that when BMW bought the company, and there was the oh, Arnage oh, that had the BMW, the BMW engine. Was that the red label? BMW before they put the other a one. Green. Was it the green label or the red green label? label? Green label. They dropped one of those off at the they had an X5 4.4 engine in it. I mean, it was absolutely mm. talk about you got in it and thought this is the this is the new beginning of Rolls Royce, and you just thought this is utter yeah. dog shit. It was PX that Put it back, wasn't it? Pierre yeah, said, and I apologise. I'm sure it's your pride and joy, but I just I wanted six and six point seven five liters of step off acceleration. I did not want a BMW engine. Um, and then for me, quite clearly, um, which is the worst one I've driven. It's it's, it's sad because it is a car that's currently on sale. It's the Mercedes EQS. I just don't. I've yeah, never driven anything. Cool. I've never driven anything that's so far wide of the mark from what it's turned out to be. I, you know, I was told this thing was supposed to be the electric S-Class. I mean, everybody went in the back of it. It was less comfortable than a Prius. It had no range. It really was the chocolate fire guard of cars. I'm a massive Mercedes-Benz fan. I'm a huge fan of their products. And this is not me covering my ass, so I don't ever get invited on when they launches again. But I just did. I don't understand what was going on there. Why then- do you think? Why do you think that thing was so far up? I've, I've got a funny <laughs> feeling that they are they're going to launch a super duper electric S class at some point, and this was a stopgap designed to sell a few in certain markets that are desperate for these sorts of cars, and that when they come along with the electric S, we'll all go, "Wow, aren't they so talented?" But this, this is it's extraordinary. It really is. It, it is in, in in rugby terms, it's the Australian World Cup rugby first fifteen. Ooh. That's what it is. You know, it's, it's there's just, a uh, there's a full episode on uh, manufacturers' electric car strategy because it all seems to be falling apart for most of them. Yeah, I think I think they've rushed into the, these things so quickly because they feel that like if they don't do it soon enough, they're going to miss the market. And Tesla are now so far ahead. R- Rivian, I heard that in the last quarter, they're losing thirty three thousand dollars per car built or per truck built which which is the entry level cost of a ford f-150 lightning (laughs) 
which was the electric truck maker that in one of its first promo videos actually filmed it rolling down a hill Oh no, no, that down. that was yeah, that was the um like the oh, Tesla yeah. Cybertruck competitor. Um yeah. fake it before you make it, raised yeah. a load let raised yeah. a load of money and showed this film of it literally rolling down the hill, and then they yeah. had to tow it back up to film it again. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's 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 reminiscent of when Volvo had its self-parking technology and they ran the first ever live web seminar for everyone globally. And they set it off to park, and it just it just shunted both cars out the way, <laughs> and then just landed on its side. I, I would love it if they if they knew it was going to do that. It said, "You know what? We know it works. How much funnier would it be to fuck it up?" Also, if you if you want to know why you should earn the big bucks, if you're the CEO of a company, I can remember when Zetcher at the Frankfurt Motor Show many many years ago had to demonstrate their self driving technology. Mercedes had been at it for far longer than anyone else. And during the warm-ups, they'd, they'd specified exactly where this vehicle should, should stop for him to get out and deliver his speech. So he's he's in the back of it. His tash is like out there somewhere. He's you know he's, he's got his Monaco wing on. It's not Monza. It's big wing. And he's he's there. It rolls onto stage, twelve feet away from where it should be. And you can just see him. He's in the back thinking, oh, "When do I jump out? When do I jump out? Or do I stay with it?" And Will it run me him, over? Bless him. He stuck with it and he got out cool as a cucumber and delivered his speech and he whatever 30 million euros he got that year he earned them all in those five minutes you, can you imagine that set up on a pier somewhere it just goes off it must have managed it must have been a it was a stage it was a good 12 feet above the ground if it had gone off he was he was definitely looking at a new boat race of course he was now neil clifford what's yours oh i'm ben lee the Bentley Arnage T, 2002, because I had such a love affair with this car. You know, it's the one with the pretty front. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, bad ass. Yeah, you know, they never improved the ass of that car, but they did improve the front. And actually, I bought a beautiful spec car off of CollectingCars.com. Um, in a very light green with chocolate leather. Mm -hmm. Great car, actually. Oh, but it just... I already like owned, bending's mint, isn't it, in reverse? Oh, I already owned a, a very early 1990 Turbo R, so why the hell I thought I needed another BMW 6.75-litre saloon? God only bloody knows. It was for the chocolate leather. And I had a beautiful Conti T. In fact, I've had a couple of Conti Ts. So I have a big love affair with Bentley. But And I met the guy... Super lovely Italian guy. Um, doesn't sound shady at all, does it? In the Chiswick Tesco's car park. Now it sounds shady. Sounds shady. But he was lovely. He's a doctor. He was all very honest. I mean, you've got to trust doctors, haven't you, Manish? And there's never, there's never a dishonest doctor. And I got in it because he showed me where the umbrellas were in the back. And then I'm thinking, oh, actually, looks, you know, the back still is bloody ugly, but the front's quite cool. The minute I got in the car and drove from Chiswick to, I don't know, wherever I was going, to M25, within 10 minutes, I thought, what the fuck have I done here? Why have oh, I no. bought this car? I was instantly thinking, how the hell am I going to, if I dump it back on collecting cars within a week, what am I going to do? It just was all wrong. The buttons were wrong. You could see whether it was, what was it, 
Volkswagen, I suppose. It was the first real Volkswagen sort of model, wasn't it? And I was used to all these beautiful sort of Savile Row bespoke buttons and, you know, it was made by one bloke for two years and then you suddenly get in this car and all the buttons are horrible and the steering wheel's ugly and there's actually no more leg room. And you remember how ugly the back of that car is. And I knew within an hour before I got home that I had to bloody sell it. And I was really pissed off with myself. I was embarrassed. And then, you know, what a surprise the next day, the engine warning light comes on, doesn't it? No. Right? Because, and of course, probably the engine warning light was on two days before I bloody bought it and someone told him how to get rid of it. But, you know, 48 hours and it will come back on, but it'll be fine. And I had to take it over to my mate. And there's this fake emissions scam on those cars that's got this sort of fresh air blower that's connected to the exhaust so when you start up the car it gets additional fresh air therefore it gets past the emissions test and that bloody thing had broken hadn't it so i had to get a new sensor and in the end you know i was sadly got rid of it because the spec of uh, cars are about colors both exterior and leather but underneath it was just a bit of a shit car. So can I just point out now that other ownership experiences are available on collective <laughs> cars? When no, you but one has to be honest. <laughs> one has to be honest, but other, we, we have other happier customers. Yeah, happier that we prefer to... hearing from. I can, I, can definitely, <laughs> I can definitely express a lot of happiness with other cars that I've bought on collecting cars. We love you, Neil. And have done. Um, well, there's now, nothing wrong with the car, really. It was just, I, was it, it was just disappointing. But the Conti T, that's fine. Conti T, Conti R, Turbo R, they're all wonderful. Go T. I drove an Arnage T. Also, that blower thing for emissions was standard across all yes. vehicles for a very long time. Yes. They would just dilute the amount of pollution coming out of the back by throwing air down the exhaust pipe. Yeah. Heaven forbid the Germans ever get caught doing things like that. Yeah, <laughs> that would never do. Manish, what's your reverse TARDIS? I'm going to tell you, so as you know, I'm still on my sort of hunt for this perfect 456. And um, I am also on the hunt for um, a car to p- replace my Audi A4 Avon, <laughs> which I'm going to give to my... Uh, Sister-in-law. So I have been looking at some estates, and I feel I can go a little bit bigger than the A4 size now. You know, I feel pretty confident we can park the thing around. And th- there are some nice things around. And I have to tell you, it, my this is not about the worst car. This is not about like a gross disappointment. This is actually, I think, worse. You know, when something's just meh, <laughs> and that that's honestly it's cut so. I checked out an Audi A6 Avant that was, I thought, pretty beautifully specced from the outside. Just, it's just nothing. You just sit inside it. It's just, it's just some car. Yeah, it really. Also, you know, for an awful lot of money as well, isn't it? It's an awful. You think it's an awful lot of money, and this thing doesn't feel special. Yeah, it, it, but it, it, I think it's just so beautifully put because I think you want to buy a new car, and you know we've got, as you all know certain emission standards that we've got to meet in London now. And actually, if you park, given that you park with your registration plate, they know whether you've got a diesel, they know exactly the size of 
petrol engines, so there are all kinds of surcharges if you have the former. If you want to replace a car like that, and for me, you know, driving in central London, I really don't do that much driving. I barely take my boy to cricket anymore. You know, they get to that age where they're sort of sorting themselves out. They they order the dreadful U word and stick their thing in the back and off they go. And so, you know, when you when you drive in central London, given I'm never going to buy this fucking 456 because it doesn't seem to exist. You will. I know you keep telling me that. You tell me every week, you know? It's like the girl that will never go out with you. you keep... No, she won't go out with you. No, she will go out with me. Okay. <laughs> but I'm, I'm being serious. I am really trying to buy a car that I'm going to use a little bit and drive, you know, a little bit. And I would like it to feel vaguely special. And I think, oddly, the flip side is the BMW 5 Series Touring, which I think just looks great. It's wonderful oh, inside. Right. But if you get the hybrid version... The battery's so big, the the boot's yeah. teeny. You'll not, yeah. you won't get three cricket bags in that one. You just won't. And so I'm sitting in now thinking about the next possible five series touring, which I think is coming out next year, isn't it? But yeah. to get back to your question, it was just a very met experience for a car that's going to cost me the mm -hmm. best part of if if I buy the thing new, the best part of fifty-seven thousand pounds. If it's yeah. specced kind of nicely, it's quite a lot of money and you want to feel kind of good in that, don't you? I, I, I think a lot of supposedly executive German machinery, if you don't go for the very, very fancy one, mm. it's quite they have quite disappointing materials, they don't feel very special, then you look at the price of them and go, well, there's, a, wow. there's an extra naught on there, what, what's happened there, it's just too expensive. It's quite shocking. Um, Edward Lovett, what do you think? I'm very disorganised. <laughs> I I'm not sure I even read what we were talking about. I, clearly, because I'm looking at these things, and what's going through my head is not what you lot are talking about. But I'm going to tell you what's going through my head, okay. which is when BMW decided to start going front wheel drive with things mm. like the One Series and the Two Series Active Tourer. Oh, mm. yeah. It, it was downhill from there, wasn't it? And it's that, that goes with the sort of the cheaper BMWs. And What's when that? when they launched the one series, it's my turn, Christopher. Sorry. <laughs> and it, <laughs> I'm I'm really sorry. <laughs> when, when they launched Look, keep going. The, keep going. when they launched the original one series <laughs> with rear wheel drive, it's a it was actually a bloody good car, slightly edgy design in the sort of Bangle era, but it, it was a good car. And as they started to migrate into these front-wheel drive versions, it was just a cheaper, pretty rubbish BMW, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and, and Mini seemed to do the same at the same... You know, the original Mini was brilliant. And when they started getting a bit bigger and wider and taller and fatter, they just weren't very good cars. And, and one of the last countrymen's my, my mother drives a countryman and when when i've driven that to me that's a, it, it's a terrible gearbox and and it's the car the car's rubbish frankly yeah from my you know I, i'm i'm a top gear writer here and i you know i, I just love the solidarity of the lovett family around the brands that they sell yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just rubbish <laughs> i was when i was trying to interrupt you i was trying to think about there's a version of the two series that is particularly execrable. Sorry, listeners. Pi, the Grand Coupe. Yeah, the Grand Coupe. That's that is really the. Yeah. Okay, here's a question for you. What's worse? What has worse proportions 
relative to its wheelbase, the two series Grand Coupe or the original CLA Mercedes from 10 years ago? Oh, that's, that's a very close race. Yeah, that's a good question. That that's a, I always said it's the one that looks like a CLA. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's that shit. And that, that's a classic example of car makers that are used to making real drive going shit. We have to make front wheel drive. It's, just it's, that, it's, it's a bit squashed. It's a bit too up in the middle and down. So it looks like, I know it's it's not an original quote, but it does look like a very small, ugly dog trying to <laughs> unsuccessfully poo. It makes, you know, there were cars of that era that you thought, looked, or earlier than that, that you thought ugly looked dog things well. like a, um, the Fiat Multipler, which I know you all love. But actually, that makes a Fiat Multipler with the three bits at the front actually look quite good versus those yeah. two cars. That was on the Chris, top gear list. What the Multipler was, yeah. yeah. Chris said a few weeks ago that you could, there was something intuitive about knowing when a car's wheels were just too small. And there's exactly that, isn't there? Just a car, the ratio of its body to its wheelbase. There's just some kind of internal something that tells you, doesn't it? I've got one. Who I bet you can't be the Ford EcoSport EcoBoost thing. It's got little... That's pretty bad. Little bobbiny little wheel things. Like they've fallen off a sewing machine. I never liked that Mercedes CLS. No, you never no, liked the, that. C- the CLS. The CLS was a bit better, but the CLA yeah, was like a CLA worse. But I didn't like. What I, had. I had the I had the original Mini from two thousand on my list of the best cars for the last thirty years. Actually, yeah. I mentioned it. That it's in the Top Gear list. That is it. That's I think so. Game. No, it wasn't. It was, no, it was on Evo. Was it? Mm. Is, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to change my column. Uh, dear uh, Stuart Gallagher, can I have a column on Evo instead, please? Do you, do you think when you grow up, Chris, they might give you a job there? Um, Harry did many years ago, but I didn't last very long. I think I was poorly behaved. Yeah, you can read all about those years in my forthcoming book. More oh, of we don't. We don't have just have throw this stuff together. Yet? Have you actually written it? I have. I have written it. Yeah, and I've got. A you dumb- have one. Oh, do you have one to hand? I've got a dummy copy somewhere. I think we, I think the dog ate it or something. We, it, obviously, we treat it with enormous respect around here. Is it, oh, the is, dog it is, is this the one you wrote in 15 minutes, Chris? That one? The no, it's, it's taken me a little longer than that. Oh, has it? Um, but it is, um, I, it's, it's, yes, it is coming out soon. And I've just, I'm doing the audio book where you have to read it for audible.com. Oh, Audible. that's good. Audio for you, wherever you are. <laughs> no, don't criticize the dyslexic. <laughs> That's for the dyslexic. No, it's that woman. It's that woman's voice when she goes, "Yeah, audio for you wherever you are." And at that point, you want to get out and just murder the pedestrian. It is. <laughs> I, I I could do some light killing if yes, that's exactly. in my life. Anyhow, have we all had a go at this one, or have we not had a go? Who's not had a go? We've had a go. I think we we've had a good go. Excellent. Excellent. Tick. Well done, class. I'm enjoying being back in my in my classroom again with my fellow pupils under the under, under the tutelage. Of Mr. Chris Cooper, who thinks he's in, who thinks he's in charge. What, you, what have you got there? That a, have you just drawn a nut shot again? No, no, I've got, I've got a piece of paper. I'm going to use in a moment. He's got his homework ready. Oh fuck! Here we go. Sorry, Dan. Here we go. Right, Dan. Now the next part is, and these are, these are important issues. What's the most annoying ergonomic failure <laughs> you've had with a car? In other words, what's the car? That's had something gone, something that's not quite right about its cabin, but has driven you to distraction, potentially towards divorce, mental health issues, ticks, whatever it is. Because let's face it, if you spend a lot of time in a car, these things matter. They really do matter. 
particularly to nerds like us. Neil Clifford, what's the one thing about a car, particularly the inside of it, the cabin I'm talking about, that has made you want to swear in church? I'd like to bring everyone's attention to the Ineos Grenadier. (laughs) (laughs) Because you know what? I really, really wanted to love this car. That's a key phrase as well. So there's a key phrase. You wanted it to win, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I wanted it to win. Putting aside the bloody Brexit thing and all that drama. But I, 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 I thought it's going to be quite cool that, you know, it's going to be a sort of a Bristol four by four, not perfect, but quirky and quite cool. And I saw the very early demo cars and I love the dash that sort of aeroplane thing above the top and I went on the drive in the countryside thing the test drive in the mud and I thought actually it's quite cool this thing and I specced it well in navy blue almost posy with a red chassis which I may well slightly regret but we'll come to that not anymore you wait and um yeah we'll come to that steel wheels the chunky tires and there's lots of things about that car that if I worked at Ineos, I would have actually thought of. I don't mind the look of it. The front is a tiny bit ugly. The bumpers are a bit big. The back is pretty good. The side profile is very nice because it basically is a Defender. So, you know, it's going to be nice. Designed on an Etch-a-Sketch, nevertheless, but still quite good. The Recaro seats in cloth. I thought very nice. Who's ever decided we're not going to design a brilliant seat? We're just going to use the best seat. Yeah, yeah, we're going to use the best seat. I do have three kids, all over six foot tall, so that became the issue of the reverse Tardis, which was sort of you could tolerate in a G wagon because a G wagon is made from a solid piece of carbon in terms of its quality. Unfortunately, the the Ineos Grenadier. Is more of a Tonka toy in terms of its plastic materials. So there's a little bit scratch. Late model Tonka toy then. Late model Tonka toy. But yeah. we'll we'll come to the main the main point. Whoever thought it was clever to put the speedometer and the very important dials, i.e., how much petrol you've got, at 60 degrees to your head. So you've actually got to drive along with a broken neck is really quite a shame because <laughs> you've got the steering wheel. And when I, when I, when I picked it up, I thought, Oh, that, that, that's a bit quirky, isn't it? Because there's basically a hole behind the steering wheel, but I'm sure it says the speed. I'm mean, Someone would have thought at least you need to know the speed. You needed an HUD, a head-up display. You needed a head-up display because I actually, even though everyone sort of slags off the steering, I'm I, I can't, you know, I'm 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 not able to really judge whether the steering's crap or not. I didn't really mind. I like the little toot horn. I love a lot of the car actually. It's sort of, I don't know, in in O level terms, a C plus, but. The fact that you drive along and you can't see how fast you're going without having to look left is actually rather stupid. A bit dreary. By the way, it's only comfortable if you've got one leg. 
<laughs> which is the other small issue because there's this big bloody lump where your left leg is, which therefore you've got to drive along with cruise control with no feet on the pedals. So wait, so you've just discovered the perfect car for somebody with a neck fusion who's an amputee. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and, and you, would, you would have thought, and you know, I'm, I'm hoping to get a job on Top Gear. You can tell in the magazine with my excellent reviews and very balanced. I'm not sure you. I'm not sure. I'm not sure they'll look upon your application favourably now, Neil. I was thinking you said but earlier. You would have thought that Jim Radcliffe, who I'm told is about eight foot four, he's taller than that. <laughs> He's only got one leg, though. <laughs> maybe sat in the car and decided, actually, you need to take that big lump of that bag of coal that someone has put underneath the seat. Maybe you should move that because that's quite annoying for your well, life. I can tell you now, Neil, that, you, you, that you'll probably be uninvited to their events because I, I, I said something about two years ago. I think I, I was asked, Defender or Ineos Grenadier? It's just a simple question in a, in a quick fire series of questions. And I went... Uh, defender, and they uninvited me from everything. I've never been invited to even look at the car. So they have a fairly hard line approach. I think you might have stepped over the mark there, Mr. Clifford. Um, well, I've sold just... it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and and as what any sensible man should do of my of my <laughs> taste level and demeanour, I've bought a BMW Alpina. Oh yes, Ooh. now we're talking. Um, just we just walked past something quite interesting there, monkey. Did you say defender? Yes. Did you mean the original Defender or the current model? Defender? The current one. Yeah. Okay. And I said, and I said, uh, I, I just thought I, I, I didn't really get the Ineos. Think about the Ineos. There's, there's a couple near me in Clifton. The nose is a bit pinched. It doesn't have quite the amount yeah. of geometry. It should. The G wagon is perfectly geometrical from the front. It just yeah. looks like a big. It looks like Dander's chin is what it yeah. is. But the Ineos is a little bit pinched. It's got a bit of a bum chin. The G-Wagon is the king. It is. Oh, yeah. it, 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 yeah. Do you think... Um, I, I, I like the look of that car, and I like what it represents, the, 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 the Grenadier. Does this just show how very hard it is to yes. design, manufacture, and build a great car? Yes. Yeah. Look at the other British bloke who's got lots of money and is very good at inventing things, Mr Dyson. He was, according to reports, Oh, you know, about half a billion quid into making a car. And he gets lots of bad press. Again, he's one of these Brexit people, but he gets a lot of bad press. But I shows that he's a bit of a genius, if you ask me. He looked in the mirror, looked around and thought, this is more difficult than I thought it was. Yeah. Can it now yeah. before we go too far? The, the article in the Sunday Times a couple of years ago, um, I, I said to the Time Monkey, my brother, who's a photographer, some of you know, uh, he was the one invited, only photographer ever invited to take photographs of that car. Uh, down in the place north of the M4, that airfield they bought dual testing, and Lavington. Uh, yeah, just yeah near um, near Malmesbury yeah. somewhere north yeah. of the M4, and he said, "Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank." LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It was quite impressive. I mean, it wasn't running, but it was. It looked nice and it looked... But he clearly worked out, do you know what? Even I haven't got enough money, time and patience and we probably haven't got the expertise to do it. The Ineos is really interesting because he clearly... He originally asked JLR or Land Rover, could I buy the rights and the tooling to the Defender? And they said, no, you can't. He said, well, I'm going to go... Because famously, Land Rover hadn't protected the identity and the mm-hmm. outline of sort of that shape of a of a Land Rover series and, and Defender and so forth. Um bit like the new monkey. I'm not sure about the shape of the Grenadier. It looks like a slightly shit version of the original Defender. Yeah. Um, I think from those... many angles, it's quite good, actually, apart from the front. You... What about those, those things down the side, those utility belt strap things down the side, just look slightly... Sort of. I didn't really ever work out what I was supposed to do with them. Well, exactly. I think I'm that not going to do anything that's, with. That's them. a copy of the G wagon as well as the G wagon. Yeah. wagon reference on a Land Rover looking thing. It's a bit odd. There's a there's a name for the. Somebody will tell us in the in the uh, the comments. There's a name for that rail on top of some semi-automatic weapons, mm. on which you attach scopes right. and infrared sights and so forth. And I think it's meant to mimic that to so say it's got a sort of slightly military, slightly utilitarian, slightly functional, um, slightly serious purpose to it. But I, I don't know what you'd attach to it that wouldn't get knocked off on the first tree or the first roundabout in Mayfair or, or wherever it is. So I kind of I like the idea of the buttons in the roof, but I mean, really, in a road car. But the, st- the speedometer thing sounds that's the only really bad bit, really. I'm being a bit naughty, but. Uh, oh, I was also, desperate, I was desperate to love legs it. into the into the yeah. football. I mean, that is a problem, isn't That's it? That's a little bit trickier. Right, now, Chris, Chris Cooper, we digress because we're going to we're going to run on too long here. So, what's your ergonomic nightmare? Well, I thought we should start first of all by making sure we're all using the same terms correctly. So, would you like to all know what the definition of ergonomics is? I knew you would. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me to do so. Ergonomics is the scientific discipline concerned with the understanding of interactions between humans, that's us, and other elements of a system, and the profession that applies theory, principles, data, and methods to design in order to optimize human well-being and overall systems performance. That's, tell you what, that's bang on. Yeah, exactly right. I liked that because it's a definition that says, I know exactly what I should expect to see. Yep. In the modern world, in technology and fintech and all these kind of things, it's rather been taken over by poor relations, in my humble opinion. Customer experience, user experience, UX, CX, UI, those are all poor relations to the proper science that is ergonomics. So yep. ergonomics it is. And, I mean, Jerry, I mean, I'm sorry, Jerry, one day, Jerry is going to be so irritated with us, he's going to demand an invitation. And we're going to turn him down. But eventually, we'll say yes. 
eventually we're going to say yes, because the ergonomic disaster and frustration I'm currently living with, Jerry, Guck Ferry, is the monstrosity that is the current touchscreen thing on current model Land Rover products, all the ones appearing around about now. They mm. put everything on the screen. So on the, the, I mean, these are first world problems. You know, everyone knows we're middle class and you know, blah blah blah. So just bear with us with that context. In old Land Rover products, there were buttons on the side of the seat that did everything you wanted the seat to do. Where's the fire, Jerry? There isn't one. Now you've got a little one that goes forwards and backwards for the seat base, and one that does a sort of flippy flappy floppy of the seat backrest. Everything else is in the touchscreen. To get to the touchscreen, you either have to nudge one of the buttons, which puts you slightly out of position, and then on the screen, all the other buttons appear, and you think, well, which one do I want? And as you're thinking about that, it disappears again from the screen. So I go back to the door over here and do a little squidgy-squadgy of the little backwards and forwards button here, and it reappears on the screen. Meanwhile, you've piled into three people on the back into the back on the M25. <laughs> Who thinks this is okay? We've now got legislation, rightly so, which says handheld devices if used in the car in other words you know you'll get six points that's probably pretty reasonable because the stats stats probably say it's not very safe so jerry i know you're the only one jerry but his is yours is the product that i've been suffering with so that ergonomic nightmare of what's wrong with the button what's wrong with the sat nav map of a little knob u12 to zoom in, zoom out, rather hang on, I've got to sort of the cars moving around. So my finger is sort of doing that yeah. all over the screen and and I'm still trying to drive and where's the screen? Cycling Mikey should be having a bloody heart attack. He doesn't need to creep up on people looking at their phones. He just has to spot a modern product lander and think, that's another six points on my video for the police. Madness. May oh. I go next? Of course you can. I was just, just going to say it's slightly worrying seeing two late middle-aged men jabbing their fingers into spaces there. I just think we need a bit of time just to just to reflect on that. And whilst you and you can talk calmly, Manish, your your, your dulcet tones will, will calm everything down now. Well, you know, I'm going to say this in a dulcet way, but I agree with everything that Chris has just said. And I actually, um, you know, in my quest for my London car, had a little crack at something called a Tesla. And guess what? It's the fucking originator of everything you just said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's it a great big iPad on its side, just to your, literally to the left of your thigh. Yeah. And you're, you're, just, you're just doing this. And, um, you know, there are things like cameras in all four corners of your car. By the time you, why do you need to look at all four corners of your car as you're driving? Forwards anyway, I don't understand, but it's menu after sub-menu after sub-menu. I mean, it it is actually, I will never buy one for this reason. Why can't you just have a few dials and things you press that yeah. somebody somebody has actually tested ergonomically? You know, they, I think they that will that, come back. You know, a Mercedes button had been pressed 42 billion times by some kind of machine, so you knew you couldn't break it. And it, it, it is actually... The concept of a menu and sub menus all coming off any kind of screen is really annoying. Yeah. Mm. Really they should go annoying. back. They should go back and watch Thunderbirds. <laughs> they should go back and watch Thunderbirds. <laughs> but, but if Thunderbird you're, one or Stingray. But if you're the Stingray FD, had... if you're the FD of JLR, you're saying, right, we're gonna have 
one screen we can make in China and we don't, and we can remove all these buttons and different faces and designs we have across our ranges. I mean, it saves them. That's why BMW have done it. It saves them a fortune, but mm. it's, but it's, but it's rubbish. And I wonder whether they will ever, they'll ever manage to go back to it. I do. I mean, the BMW, I've just spent it's a little question of balance though, Chris. I mean, I mean, nobody here wants to be a complete Luddite and I get it. You know, if you've got this absolutely amazing no, think... LED screen with your dials and things, but you know, there's just a certain amount that you can do while you drive. But it's if interesting, isn't it? Because I think I think a lot of the what they're trying to do is is emulate um, much more complicated, you know, UI experiences where where you've got um, where actually that they've missed out is that all of those clever UI experiences, whether it's normally gaming or stuff that we don't understand, computers, they all carry things called shortcuts. So if you look at a Mac keyboard. You know, that top bar, I think Manage has got the nice one with all the sort of graphic bits. You know, you can you can press buttons, you know, what we called F keys in the past, but take yeah. pieces. That's what these cars lack. And that's why I give a bit of bit of props to BMW, because even though they've gone for this big screen, there's a there's a there's a rotary knob for the volume. There's a there's a button that goes up a track or down a track. Yeah. And actually that's that covers most of what I needed a car. Yeah. There's still too much going on. And actually all the seat controls are on the seats, so I'll give them that. Um, but it, you're quite right. It is bobbins, and I, I yeah, I, I don't. I can. It makes living with these things far less pleasurable, and they're not very pleasurable things anyway. No, Edward, love it, Edward, love it. What's your example? We've got to move on. Edward, love it. What's your example? Very quickly, a couple of things. Uh, obviously, the opposite of what Chris has just described in a Land Rover Defender. You need a fixed sports seat in a Porsche with a bar underneath it, so you can get in and you can slide forward or backwards. Oh yes. Depre- Depress the clutch, right? That's my position. Go, uh, yeah. and then in ter- you don't need any navigation, like in uh, and modern cars. Some don't have it. Neil nine eleven R, for example, a sandwich holder is better, and just get a phone holder, stick it there on a magnet, and and off you go. Look at the road ahead and get on with it. Um, that's all you need in in a car. Um, the only thing they should be talking about in a boardroom at, at JLR or whatever they call themselves nowadays is why are we still producing cars that, that that can be parked in a suburban area somewhere where someone can walk up to the house, scan the key and steal it off the street? Yeah. Um, because they can't even insure the bloody things in London. Yeah. I think I said a few weeks ago, yeah. you know, 50 grand excess if you keep yeah. your new Range Rover. You know, they've got other things to need to worry about, not how you change the fucking heated seat rather than just <laughs> press the button where it used to be. Oh, you can nick it. You're right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and, and, and just yeah. but just ergon- ergonomics very quickly. And this this could go the on. Question was, Edward, the question was, Edward, the question was, by the way, what are the ergonomics that have annoyed you the most? Fine. Now, I haven't owned one, but I do need it explaining to me when you get into a car, like I just said with a seat, you know what you want to do to move it and back. Just grab the bar underneath and slide forward and back. I also want to know where to put the key. It's normally in the steering column somewhere. Why did Saab put it underneath your elbow behind the gear shift <laughs> here somewhere? What, what what made them think about that? Was that just to confuse the consumer? It was from an aeroplane. Uh, yeah. Is that what it was? Is it? I think. A, oh, a I don't long know. Dark. I made that up, but it sounds cool. Also, yeah, did you have, did you have to have the handbrake off to get the key to turn. No, I think. Do you have to have it in reverse or reverse? I, locked in reverse. Locked, locked in, in like yeah. That yeah. they were just playing games. I think yeah, it's yeah. the same board that we're dealing with JLR. Oh, 
Okay, right. Ergonomics. In the winter. So I reckon the best... The, you can always look to the Italians for, for some crazy ergonomics in the 80s. Everyone thought they did it in the 60s and 70s. They were quite logical then. But in the 80s, when they had to be a bit wacky, there was some crazy stuff. Of course, the Alpha 75's roof-mounted um, electric window switches were probably the, the peak of that. The idea that you had to do this the whole time. <laughs> Anyone driving towards you thought you were doing a Winston Churchill impression, but you're actually trying to wind the windows down that were obviously fucking broken because they always were. Um, so you can't beat that. But for me, and I've done this before, but I want to have a second whinge about it. The 991 Porsche's cabin is not far off perfect for me. Yeah. It is, it, as a sports car cabin, it's just fantastic. The centre console drops nice and low, so I feel I'm in something sporty. The, the screen is the right size. I've got buttons to do stuff. Everything just fits me like a glove. The 992's cabin, the more I've driven them, is terrible. I mean, it's not bad. It is terrible. Everything's mm -hmm. in the wrong fucking place. And how they sign that off, I do not know. It's the company that I respect the most. But they've had a they've obviously had a bad day, or they've just thought, sod it, lob this out, we're done. But it just doesn't work on any level. The electric windows are back here. There's a cup holder in front of the gear lever. Yeah, that doesn't work. You get rid of the two best cup the best cup holder design in the history of cup holders has been removed. I don't know why. It, the whole thing just doesn't work. The more I thought about it, I just don't get on with them at all. Mm -hmm. I had that RS the other day. The, the RS is one of the best sort of sports cars I've ever driven. On the track, it's just mind-bending, as Neil will confirm. Horrible, and horrible. And Chris has driven it. But, but the cabin, what are they? An ergonomic shit fight, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. <laughs> Don't get it at all. Don't get it. I hope they do something better with the 99... What are they going to call it? It's got to be the 994, hasn't it? Four. It can't be 993, can it? Next. No. No. <laughs> right. Moving on. We've got to move quite quickly now because we, we, we've definitely taken up some of your precious time. Now we're back in the game, people. Now, Formula One. Um, lots has been going on in our absence. Max has extended his lead. And of course, his margin in qualifying at Suzuka, I think, left us all absolutely gobsmacked. The most driversome circuit of them all. And he goes half a second quicker. A, an extraordinary demonstration of dominance from Red Bull. But coming up is the Las Vegas race which I think we're all fascinated by because there's a suspicion that it might be the greatest folly ever seen in Formula 1 history. Here's a stat for you. This is speculative. The resurfacing of the roads around Las Vegas to make way for the Grand Prix is costing $80 million. That's it alone. The estimated cost of the event, I'm told, runs into the hundreds of millions. Um, I'll go to our resident F1 expert first. Manish, what do you make of the Las Vegas Grand Prix? Now, now, it's, now it's soon upon us. Um, I think everyone's just going to be looking at the sphere. Oh, that's, that's very good, cool. baby. You're just going yeah. to stare at that sphere. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Have you seen? Have you seen the videos of the? Yeah, it's amazing. Four hundred and fifty thousand dollars a day to rent the outside advertising space. I bet it won't cost that um, F1 weekend. No. no, no. I think yeah, I can. I can see that. I mean. <clears throat> Somebody that I know who uh, shall and had better remain nameless um, is has always been a little bit nervous about this particular race. And this is going back, you know, from when they decided they were going to do it, because it is a new algorithm for Formula One to actually invest their own money in races. Typically, that is what you get the promoter to do. You say, put a, you know, put a, put a, 
runoff area there, you know, move this grandstand, you need to provide us with so so much parking. And this one actually is, it. the numbers I hear are either 250 or 450 million dollars, depending on kind of, you know, who you believe. And I can't see how you can recoup that from race tickets. I mean, I just, I can't see how you can do that. And we've also heard rumors that, um, any restaurant or any casino which has got a view onto the track is being told, right, give us $5,000 per person who's going to be here for the race or we're going to build a grandstand right in front of your window or black out your window because apparently that is what they're charging people if they go to a casino. I mean, imagine going to a restaurant in Monaco and being told the cover charge is 10,000 euros you know, no one's going to pay that. So I think the algorithm here is completely different. But sort of the deep point you're making, Chris, is that um, is this going to help Formula One, either in the short run or the long run? And I guess the answer to that is, are Americans going to change their minds about this sport, massively fall in love with it on the back of the races they have in that time zone? And I I got to believe the answer is we'll all be watching the first race, but I'm not so sure we'll all be blown away by it. And I'm absolutely not sure we'll be watching the second one, not to the point where investing the best part of half a billion dollars makes any sense. But that's what I think. Yeah, I think uh, I, I some absolutely fair points there. Chris Cooper. So um, your question actually was, um, has F1 jumped the shark? Um, and I was slightly disappointed that I, I seem to be the only one who understood the etymology of that expression. Monkey, you must have understood it because you use it because you're in showbiz and television. And Manish knew what it was because he told me. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. So it was just Edward. Then. It was just me and Edward, I think. Okay. I've been busy. It's, it's from the Happy Days <laughs> TV series, The Fonz. Hey! That Is it? Yeah. yeah. And in latter series of The Fonz, Henry Winkler... Uh, he was water skiing, and to try and drum up interest in a dying franchise, they thought it'd be hilarious for him to literally water ski over a shark, jump the shark. So right. it's a it's a it's a metaphor for um, they've completely lost the plot, they've lost ideas, they've gone mad. Death is merely round the corner, anyway. But I don't think F one has jumped the shark with this, not even close. Um, I read this week. You probably saw it in the summer. Uh, the Alpine team sold a 24% stake in its team to a whole bunch of US investors. Uh, they paid 218 million for the stake, which basically valued Alpine, currently languishing with not many points in the championship, at $908 million. I remember that was quite a lot of money. Um, and these investors, I read something about it this week, were saying, uh, our view is that F1 is not a flash in the pan. This is going to make us all cringe and all you out of cringe. It is a league. They equate it to NLB, Major League Football, basketball, mm. basketball, mm. blah, blah. It's a league that has a lot of longevity, no shit, um, and a tremendous amount of fandom. I didn't write this stuff. Top Gear probably wrote this stuff. Um, Boy, right. It has a load. You started it. I didn't know. Neil started it. It has a larger global reach than NFL, NBA, blah, blah, blah. So it hit in the basketball, football, 
um, baseball, there are 30 to 32 teams. In European football, there are hundreds of teams that are available for purchase. In F1, there are 10, max ever 12. They've just got to, to 250, 500 million they're investing, that Liberty investing in the Las Vegas. They're looking at an equity value of 50, 60, 100 billion in a few years' time. So, no, this isn't jumping the shark. They're just getting started. So, we might not like it. Yep. But from a business point of view, um, there are some smart people doing smart things. And I think as part of helping investors in the US understand the reach and the nature and the razzmatazz, you know, this is meant to make Super Bowl look like a village fate in Arkansas or somewhere, I'm guessing. Whereas, whereas in terms of TV viewing figures, the reverse will be opposite. Can I ask one question there? Because it's specific to what you just said, Chris. I tend to agree with you that I, I think Formula One is just only beginning to experiment with what it can yeah. get away with. And I use that yeah. phrase quite deliberately. And the answers might shock us. Yeah. And it might be that, it, that that just makes us confirm that we're old and our version of Formula One is different to a modern version. The difference here for me is that everything now really globally matches itself against football. Soccer is the biggest game. Soccer is the business to which everyone looks. Soccer is frankly remarkable, the fact that it dominates society. But the great thing about football, and I'm not even a fan, is that football has it has its its coliseums, it has its its gladiatorial yep. arenas. And you turn up there and you watch them do you watch them do battle. And if, if so it so happens that they're earning 30 million quid each, even though it's distasteful, I think we can deal with it. There's something for me about turning up to a place and spending hundreds of millions of quid just to make your football pitch that I that great slightly. I just look at it and think, how does it look when you're dealing with so many problems in the world and you and yeah. your sport can spend enough money to alter the GDP of an African country to host one fucking race yeah. in one town. That's where I'm I not, go. I'm not Whoa. saying, yeah, it is. And did you see the football world cup in Qatar? Yeah. I, I mean, that still makes Las Vegas look like a, yeah, uh, you're right. It is obscene, and we've promised ourselves we can't be political. No, we're not, not not being political, but those, but, those stadia, political. but those stadia in Qatar can go on to be used for generations. Clearly, they're not. But we're talking about pretty yeah. much temporary race circuit, yeah. which I, I think it's amazing. And also, I, I suppose, if, and this refers back to what Manish said. You know, if, if you've fair play, they've decided to to slightly gamble that the the family furniture on this. But why would you do it when you know statistically there's a very good chance that it'll be a dead rubber by the time you get there? Why didn't yeah. they do it in the middle of the summer? Yeah. I can't understand why they expose themselves to that risk. Yeah. And I'm also not sure that I buy the valuation theory because it, it's absolutely fine sort of saying, you know, that somebody right now has bought this for this reason. But the truth is, you know, the teams are doing their best to make sure there are only 10 teams to keep this valuation going. As you know, Andretti has been granted... Yeah. Um, a little thumbs up by the FIA now, whether it actually ever becomes a team or not. You just don't know in five years' time who will want to play this game. And the TV figures, they don't touch. Formula One's... I've, I mean, I've heard all these stats. The Bernie Eccleston and Max Mosley statistic of 47 trillion people watch every Grand Prix. And it turns out, actually, you know, the way you calculate that is... Two seconds of a Grand Prix is on the news. On average, you know, 150 million people are watching the news. And so that means, yeah, it, I don't know how these numbers are calculated, but I don't think it can ever have the reach of something like a football. And, and 
I see ease in themselves. I mean, I'd be really nervous as shit about that. It's a longer subject for another time, but just in terms of numbers and TV. Sure. So um, Apple last year, uh, Apple TV last year, we're discussing with Major League Soccer, so that's US football. MLS, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 2.5 billion 10-year rights deal. Yeah. Um, And what do you reckon the TV revenues are for F1 right now this year? No, no, just over a billion, and Apple are actually thinking about spending two billion. Yeah, you know, for for global rights. But I'm just saying, just because somebody will pay for something like that, I listen. I don't know. I think all of that, by the way, is predicated on gambling. I think that's what it's much more about than it is about just getting eyeballs on. And I, you know, America's about to become kind of the, you know, the gambling mecca of mecca. So that's what I think. But I think. Cars in themselves, I mean, go back to what Chris has said, and then I will shut up. There is, there's something almost distasteful about this, no matter how you can justify the numbers. And there's something about this that's inherently not sporting. There's something inherently, you know, it's the concept of Las Vegas is the concept of sort of Elvis in his last days in that awful suit with the sequence. And I don't think that's Formula One. I'm surprised, surprised, but you you open this up, Manish, by saying most people are going to be looking at the sphere. And I I think what one thing that's remarkable about America, when they really want to do something, they can do it better than anyone anywhere else in the world. In which country that takes chances and places? I've only been to Vegas once. And when I went, it didn't do it for me. Give us a story. Give us a story. What happened? No, no, another time, another time. Um, But... But in in a you know the, the, I think the the sphere was most was meant to cost one point two billion dollars and it cost two point two billion dollars. Wow. Whatever they're going to do, they're going to make it the biggest fucking show in the world, and yeah. they'll be yeah. so confident. And and every major celebrity in the US is going to be there. And you know, no, 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 I've just said no to my ticket, boss. No, well, fine, yeah, but you're not in the US. But I think you know anyone that matters is going to be there. And to be oh, honest, no, 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 most, most, most of them, most, most of them, he's not are, getting it, lads. He's not getting yeah, it, lads. No, no, let me finish. Most of them don't want to leave America. Don't need to leave America to go and see that spectacle anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, I, I, I'm, I'm on the fence, really. I, I, I quite, lo- I love. I love it when Americans give it full America, and that, and yeah. that I do. And that I do respect Neil Clifford. What do you reckon? Are you going to spend fifty grand to go and watch it from a grandstand on your own? No, but no, I the, the Americans are the best people in the world at making money and having big balls. So I think that they're going to be fine. I think the valuation, if F one is worth fifty billion, I think it's probably cheap. If Man United, who are twelfth in the league, are worth six billion. You know, yeah. it, to buy a sport, yeah. you could argue the only global sport yeah. that travels around the world, I think it's cheap. Yeah, they're just getting started. It, yeah, it's just getting started. Well, so I, see, I'll tell you one thing that just make me a bit of a hypocrite if I'm sitting on one side of that fence is that I can guarantee I'll be watching it. Absolutely yeah. guarantee I'll be watching it. <laughs> you want to get up at six in the morning and watch that? Yeah. Yeah. I will, because I just want to see how it works. I don't, yeah. you know... Yeah. I suppose you're going to have to get up at four in the morning to see how it works because that's the point. The build-up is well, will. two hours before. Okay. I think I will because it's Sin City, isn't it? The idea of the idea of Sin City meets cars. I mean, let's face it, lads. This is the pamphlet. Hunter S 
he wrote about it all those years before. I mean, the the the, the absolute genius of the. Um, I should. I've just started reading it again because it because because the race is coming up. It's brilliant. You've got to read but it. It's all. It's you know. I've been there a lot of times with work, and it's very exciting to arrive. It's even more exciting to leave. <laughs> <laughs> because you, it, it it is just the, the most best example of how bonkers the human race can be. Yeah, but it is it is a special place. You cannot. Well, we better get this a special place. We better get this two car garage out of the way because otherwise, and we got to do this quite quickly now because we're we're a long way into this one now. Um, uh, and my dog needs to be fed. Here we go. So <laughs> we're going to do a photograph. Your dog's read is uh, your dog's eaten. It's had your book, I thought. Well, I think he has eaten the book. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I might do this with you my. Read better now. Sunglasses on. There we go. So, which brand are they? Twat. They are. They are a special brand called Twat. There you go. They are Twat by a motoring journalist called. Don't break them, Chris. Yes. Oh, there you oh. go. My own, my own sunglasses. You see a whole range of apparel. You'd sell a lot of them in Las Vegas. I know. Look at those. Aren't they beautiful? <laughs> now, you see a capsule collection coming. Neil was so happy and impressed by the couple that had driven from Aberdeen to Bista for our cars and coffee the other week. It was a lovely coffee run. Coffee it, run, please. Sorry, coffee run. It was. It was a. It was an immediate love affair. They just gelled the three of them in a way that if things had gone on further, I would have become worried. Uh, but actually, they left. They left in good fooling. So they had driven down from Aberdeen to Bicester. Um, So Neil's offered a budget of forty thousand pounds to have your perfect car for a comfortable, quiet, economic, sensible, reliable car for that kind of journey for two of you. This is crucial. It doesn't need to be four seats. It's two seats. The the devil's in the detail. And then you've got um, the rest of the money. Uh, for a for a classic sporty British cabriolet to be enjoyed at weekends around the Cairngorms, an area I haven't explored much myself. I'll now remove Useful. the twats. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Here we go. Um, uh, Neil Clifford, go first. It's your baby. Yes, and, and I think um, hopefully I'm right to add that the new strategy for the two car garage is that we will be taking the two car garage from the comments on YouTube on a weekly basis. It will no longer be written by us, but it will be taken. And one of us each week will choose, but we will not announce what that is until the actual podcast. We will demonstrate our speed of thought and knowledge of vehicles and prices on a weekly basis. And also one, one further point, make them the right length. Please don't make them 3000 words long. Just to- <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 as always, well, only I, only I know this, my two car garage is made up of the itches that I've still got to itch in my car addiction strategy. Therefore I've gone first of all for the Lexus LS 400, even though it's a four-door car and there's only two of us, I just thought I'd love a big, fat, reliable, juicy saloon with a V8 engine. And I would buy the best possible one of Car and Classic or, of course, collecting cars, better value on collecting cars. And I would get a lovely spec. It would be navy blue with caramel. It yeah. would be full-surface history from new one owner in Bournemouth, 
where it was from, the, an, from a deceased estate with golf clubs in deceased, the back. Deceased estate. The old boys popped his clogs. The old deer still owns the car. It's got the original invoice. It was forty-seven thousand pounds in two thousand and one. And there's my bloody wife's texting me because Man United have scored, and I don't know how to turn it off. But I saw it have a V8 Lexus. Ten grand. It's the, you can buy the best one in the UK. For that. Yeah, a good one for ten grand. Yeah, ten grand. The best one. The best one. Outlive you. That will outlive you. And, and, you and it will outlive you. And and it and and you don't have to bend your head to look at the speedo. And in in addition, I would. No, this British car. I've specified British. I think in my two. You cars. have. You I have. think you're quite yeah. right. Um, and uh, another rich that I've got is an XKR convertible yeah but the first model before they ruined it before jerry probably ruined it with the facelift yeah the classic it's just actually you see one now it's such a pretty car i know it's an xj it's it's underneath it's a good it's a bit not as pretty with the convertible frankly oh i think it was the the hood the hood sits sits proud like an xjs and the hood doesn't read yeah yeah the coupe coupe is the one i have i have specified convertible so i'd have lexus 400 the first of the lexuses before they gradually got uglier um one owner from bournemouth and i'd have an xkr convertible and I'd have 15 grand left, so I'd never have to worry because I'd tuck that away in a 5% interest rate bank account. And when I needed to sort of change the autumn the jag that would happen within two months of owning it, I'd still have a budget. 16, <laughs> 16 cylinders of Anglo-Japanese common sense from Neil Clifford. Perfectness. Absolutely smashed it. So we know he's going to deliver. Let's move to the man who is almost guaranteed not to deliver, Chris Cooper. So uh, I've had a month of not cheating. <laughs> so um, I, actually, my budget comes about forty-eight grand. But what, what I can respect it? that. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. So I met I've done the same. Well, I met them earlier in the day, um, and I, I, I just to say, actually, the people that we met at Hampton Court and Abista, um, you know, it was just wonderful, really, to meet. Quite, you know, weird, really, for us. Um, but so much enthusiasm and thank you for all the support, all the kind of things. And yeah, looking forward to seeing what everyone's put in the suggestions and so forth. Um, and quite a few people very, very keen because they're at Vista and all stuff there on taking part in motorsport. So uh, Streetcar, I meant, I said I'd mention this in our next podcast, it's been a few weeks past, but Streetcar, go to the Motorsport UK website and look up Streetcar. Um Really interesting, cheap way. You can take your standard road car, doesn't have to have a license, doesn't anything, whatever, blah, blah. Back to Bista and our couple from Aberdeen. I reckon you'd have, because I know these roads, Ballater, Bankery and Braemar. Beautiful. And you go kind of go through west towards the Cairngorms and go south again. You go up around the A93 and the A9, back up sort of through Aviemore. And that place that all English people get wrong, it's spelt Kingusi, but it's obviously pronounced Kinusi. A uh, beautiful, like, big circle around the Kangles. Wonderful. So fantastic roads, um, not all covered by speed cameras. Uh, 1966 MGB V8 Roadster. There yes. wasn't an MGB V8 Roadster, but there's one for sale on a, a less superior platform than collecting cars. Uh, we'll show a picture in a minute. I'll send the link. Uh, about 26 grand. Lovely. Beautifully made. Heritage shell. Last forever. Outlast us. Lovely. Um 
I found, or rather my ACE researchers, Cameron and Finlay, found some fantastic metal from Bavaria. And my favourite was a, a G, first of the G30 5 Series, a 540 yeah. SE. A ooh, 540 ooh, SE. Ooh, ooh, that's a rare vehicle. That's very, very important because it's got... Yeah. Non-sport. Non-sport, silver bits, nice alloys, yeah. nice bit of grey over tan, sort out the slightly dodgy drug dealer glass. But How that much? would take 335, and that was 25 grand. It's it's a night 2017, 49,000 miles, uh, 540, 3-litre, twin turbo, 335 horsepower. Can you send me the link to that? I might buy it tomorrow. I, I have to say, I, when, I, when, when the boys sent that through, I thought, bloody hell. That is a lot of car for the money. That's my kind so, of car. Um, that you could drive, couple from Aberdeen, you could drive all the way up to Aberdeen, down to Bista and back again. Total comfort, nice drive, lovely ride, beautiful nice. straight six BMW engine. Does it get any better than that? No. Probably. Probably, probably and we're about to find out. Manish is no, very No, we're not. Manish, you go, please. <laughs> I, I, I think getting a lovely BMW for those big, long drives is exactly the way to go. I found a 2019 BMW 530, which I yeah. thought was really rather beautiful, but as a touring. Yeah. Because I know you said two seats, but I think, you know, go for these lovely long drives in Scotland. You want to take a lot of luggage. You want a little place, actually, just outside Port William. That's what you want. You want to go up there with loads and loads of provisions because there's only one shop. There's, I, I don't think you even get the internet there particularly well. I know this because my um, my um, brother-in-law, Charlie, has a really lovely home about three hours northwest of Glasgow. It's just so beautiful up there. It's all driving like this. That must there's be near the Trossachs. Yes, he is. He's in the Trossachs, exactly. Yeah. Do, you, do you know that part of the world? I know the Trossachs well. <laughs> well hmm. Do you know Charlie Greaves? You know, in the Trossachs, there is the only water body in Scotland that's not called a loch. What is it? Lake of Menteith. The Lake of Menteith. The only water body in Scotland not called a loch. I used to, I, I had this for seven years, driving to the Nürburgring and back. I'd get little <laughs> nuggets, little morsels. Yeah. He knows a lot, of, a little about a lot, a, li a lot about a little. You know, you know, he knows a little it. about locks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just unbelievably well equipped. And it was, uh, as I said, 2019, it was £24,000. And that left me with £16,000. And I thought, it's got to reference Scotland, this. And this has to be a two-seat car. And I have seen exactly one of these in my life. And... They do have a little Scottish history, and it's the ACME 3000. Yes. Oh. And they only for made 20 grand. Can you find one of those for 20 grand? You probably can. Yeah. Not even here. 20. Not even 20. So I found one that, that actually went on sale last year, and uh, it was auctioned. It, it says here between 12 and 15,000 pounds. And I do remember it was a Peter Boana car, isn't it? And it just looks great. It sort of scratches my TR7 itch, but it's almost. It's almost more gorgeous. And, it's um, wedgie, wedgie. Very, yeah. As you know, I'm a keen admirer of the wedge. And this thing, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. And I, I quite li like this. Okay, This is what 
Hegarty's summary of the car is this, and I'm afraid you're going to have to put up my Scottish accent. If you're a fan of heroic failures, then this rare opportunity presents an unusual car that would prove a talking point at any cars and coffee morning. Oh, I've that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. That's better still, than your uh, Indian accent. A little bit yeah, of <laughs> it was, That was pure Scott with, a, with just a, a tang of Bangladesh on the back end. Well, exactly. A little Dhaka, a little select. Um, I, do you know what, lads? I think he smashed you out of the park. I love the fact that we surfaced an AC 3000 ME, whatever you call it. Yes. The last 30 were built in Scotland. That they was were. Right. They, they yes, were. They, they were. They were Famously, yeah. Bought out by a Scottish company and they built the last 30 and Scotland for the place. Eight. Eight. So I'm gonna go. Do you know what? I think Manish has got it there at the moment. I like that. So I'm I'm I've had one of those what I call Chris Cooper moments where it just so happens I've happened across a set of exceptional circumstances to make my first purchase. I don't know what happened, but I was sitting there and a man phoned me and offered me a BMW 1M. It was black. But it'd done a load of miles. It'd be in a daily. It'd done like 95,000 miles. And I know they're worth all the money, but he's given it to me for 30 grand because that's the cheapest one they've ever sold in the UK. But I I bought it straight away because I thought 30 grand for one Mm -hmm. M. What a lovely everyday car. I miss mine dearly because anyone that's driven one M, two M, comps, all the new ones will remember that the one M's got hydraulic power steering and drives like none of the others. It's just a joyous car. So I've only got 10 grand left. And I've always, and I agree with Neil here, my learning colleague, I want to scratch itches that I've not managed to scratch before. And one of them is a vehicle that just predated my professional career amongst cars, and that is the Grinnell Scorpion. I love the Grinnell Scorpion. I used to read about this thing. I used to watch pictures of people nearly falling out of them. And I, I think our couple, they're a bit daring. They like the idea of strapping into this thing and it's got a motorcycle engine, one wheel out the back, two wheels at the front, and they're going to go and have a right laugh in it. So I'm going Once. 1M and Grinnell Scorpion. Oh, wow. Christ, that's like a carver. Yeah, but they're, they're, it's such a cool thing. And it had a BMW engine in it as well. I think it's two BMWs, effectively. Yeah, right. nice. A lot of BMWs. I've still got mine to go here. Oh, God, here we go. Right, here we go, Edward Lovett. What are you going to do? About 17 years ago, I bought a BMW B5, which I think we've talked about on this podcast. And I paid about 65 grand for it, went and picked it up because these things were bloody quick, supercharged, supercharged engine. And um, anyway, the belt flew off it uh, when I picked it up and it it laid out the back down in the snake pit (laughs) for several months until we could get a new belt. We put it on the forecourt eventually at 59995 by now. It had already depreciated five grand in the time we we're waiting for the belt. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that car's still there. So <laughs> 17 years later, it's been written down a bit now. So I think I'm going to buy that. We've got a belt fitted to it. So that's going to be my comfortable cruiser. I think obviously as a collecting addict listener, they're clearly going to know that we have a uh, – affection for alpinas and as neil has just said um, or hasn't said i can't quite remember that uh, anyway we like alpinas the other car because and i can't stick within the budget unfortunately you said british but i wanted to go modern but i i i want to use the same mechanic to to maintain the cars so i'm going to go for a morgan aero 8 the first one with the with, with the cross eyes yeah um 
and that is going to be my two-car garage. I think, and I can have the same, you know, the guy in um, Aberdeen who looks after BMWs, so I don't have to pay, you know, full dealer pricing because I'm Scottish. I don't yeah. like to pay all the Steady. money. I don't, like, I don't like to pay all the money. Um, I like a deal. So he's going to maintain my two V8-powered BMWs. Lovely. So actually referring back to this podcast and some of the information earlier, a Morgan and a Bentley shared the same engine, didn't they? I never knew that. Yeah, was that that 4.4 litre V8, was it? 4.4. You know, I'm sure it was a different, uh, different evolution of it, but it was still a 4.4 litre BMW V8, yeah. wasn't it? About the same time. Must have been the same. Right. Now, yeah, here's, a question. here's a question for you all. Some people said we shouldn't do music. Um, and uh, I, I can see why that. We could waste more time talking about cars. But I think to end this one, we might just suggest one or two tunes. I bet Manager's got a tune, hasn't he? Okay, so th th this was all about cars and, um, it's it, you know, pretending to be women, but it's Chris Farlow's Out of Time. Ooh. And I would watch, you know, baby, 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 yeah, out of time. You've got to watch the video on YouTube. Just put it in and here are my absolute favourite lyrics. You're out of touch, my baby, my poor old-fashioned baby. You're obsolete, my baby, my poor unfaithful baby. And you can say that about cars and you can say that about women. Wasn't talking about the Ineos Grenadier, was he? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, uh, Neil Clifford, I bet you've got a song, haven't you? I have. Um, everyone should listen to the new Rolling Stones album and the new songs. Because you think, oh, my God, the Rolling Stones, they're 95,000 years old. It's not going to be good. It just is good because they are geniuses. Sweet Sounds of Heaven, which is a new Rolling Stones track with Lady Gaga. And it sounds a bit cheesy, but you know what? It's just really, really good. I'd give it a crack. Um, I know that Chris Cooper and uh, Edward Lovett haven't chosen music. so I've, I've got I'll, one. Go on, well, I've got Chris one, go. but Chris I don't go. need to do it. Go on, Chris Cooper, off you go. This is a bit of a guilty secret. But when I was right. younger, I used to really like Barry Manilow. What? There's something about the bombastic, anthemic, just the lovely... I was about 12 or something. And there was a song that take that covered, Could It Be Magic? Oh, um, his original of Could Be Magic. I dare you, I double dare you to listen to that and not to think that's actually quite good. No, he was a player. Listen he was that. a player. Barry Manilow, Could Be Magic. Oh, it's, it's Baz, Baz Manilow makes his first appearance on the Collecting Addicts podcast. Possibly only. Yes. And he will be at Las Vegas. He will. <laughs> um, EFL. You can uh, Help Me Lose My Mind by London Grammar. Oh, oh there you song. go, the London Grammar. Okay, good song. Um, I'm going to go with uh, some Tame Impala because it's a, it's a great band name. But I think the less I know, the better. When that comes on in a car, you want your passenger to shut the f up. You want to turn it up, and you want to carry on and driving and listening to the tune. And that's what driving tunes are all about. So that's the end of this episode of Collecting Addicts. Please propose your versions of two car garages and we will take them. We're also going to swap it up a bit and change some of the format. We're open to all sorts of um, suggestions from all of you. We're very grateful for you sticking with this. We're sorry we had a little break, but we needed one because everyone's been running around a bit. I want to say thank you to my co-hosts, Manish Pandey, Neil Clifford, Chris Cooper, Edward Lovett. That was episode number 35 and we look forward to hosting you next week to episode number 36. Good night.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.